Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking Through Compliance, Episode 41, The Deadly Years. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode, The Deadly Years, which aired on December 8, 1967 and occurred on Stardate 3478.2. Story synopsis. When Chekhov, Spock, Lieutenant Galway, Kirk, McCoy, and Scotty beam down to resupply the experimental colony on Gamma Hydra 4, they initially find no one home. Kirk is puzzled since he has just talked to the leader of the expedition only an hour before. Stranger still, Chekhov finds a dead man in one of the colony's buildings who appears to have died of old age. However, Spock maintains this cannot be true because the expedition was composed of only young people. The leader, Robert Johnson, who is age 29, then appears, along with his wife Elaine, age 27. They both appear to be extremely old. Kirk beams the landing party up together with those colonists who are still alive. Aboard the Enterprise, the colonists die of old age. Kirk puts Spock, Commodore Stocker, who is on his way to Starbase 10, and his former flame of six years, four months, and an odd number of days, Dr. Janet Wallace, on the investigative team. The only unusual event which Spock can determine is that of a comet which has passed by the planet shortly before the Enterprise arrived. Kirk then begins to lose his memory and displays advanced arthritis. Scott, McCoy, Lieutenant Galway, and Spock also show signs of aging at a rate of 30 years per day, but Chekhov curiously does not. Spock then finds the source of the affliction, apparently the comet whose tail Gamma Hydra 4 passed through, is emitting a low-level radiation. Commodore Stocker becomes increasingly concerned about Kirk's condition and forces Spock to hold a competency hearing. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Galway dies of old age and Chekhov continues to remain unaffected. Kirk is found incompetent and Commander, or rather Commodore Stocker takes over. He orders the Enterprise to head to, directly to Starbase 10 through the neutral zone. Meanwhile, Kirk and McCoy realized that the one difference between their experience on the planet and Chekhov's was that Chekhov was scared to death upon encountering the dead body. McCoy recalls that early investigation showed adrenaline to be a potentially useful drug from combating radiation, although it was subsequently abandoned when hydrolene was discovered. Spock develops an injection containing adrenaline, and he first tries it on Kirk. Fortunately, the shot is effective, and Kirk is able to assume control of the Enterprise, which is now under attack by the Romulans thanks to Stocker's incompetence in violating the neutral zone. In a clever subterfuge, Kirk transmits a message using Code 2, which has been broken by the Romulans. He claims that the Enterprise has inadvertently strayed into the neutral zone, and he claims he will destroy the Enterprise using the Corbomite device, which will destroy everything within a 200,000-kilometer diameter, and the explosion will leave a, a space void for up to four years, and all Star Trek, uh, excuse me, uh, United Federation of Planet Ships are to avoid it. The Romulans give a little ground lest they be destroyed in the upcoming explosion, and Kirk immediately races out of the neutral zone and into Federation space at warp 8. So what are the fun facts from this episode? Well, um, 
The thing that struck me was the costumes, particularly Dr. Wallace's costumes. And although she's a former fiancé of Kirk, um, they are still friends. But her costumes were incredibly colorful. It turns out um, that they were actually curtains. And as you might expect, that uh, when curtains are colorful, they make very colorful dresses. And it really speaks to one of the greater themes of Star Trek, the original series, which is the color. Um, that's what struck me uh, uh, was when my family first obtained a, or purchased a color TV. And in the 60s, there was a great um, rush from the networks to put things out in color to really emphasize. And in the uh, age of old vacuum tube TVs, you didn't get as uh, sharp a color as you get with uh, current pixels. So the colors uh, on the set and on the actor's clothes had to be much brighter. But that really led to an incredibly uh, colorful uh visual presentation on the uh, original series, which is not present on any of the other series. So that's one of the things that always struck me was the colors in this. And is there a way that you can incorporate sort of visual aids into your compliance program? Obviously, storytelling is a important part of compliance and storytelling through visual aids. And perhaps color can be uh, one of the ways that you use storytelling to get your message is of compliance across. Uh, the second issue uh, that came up for me was training. Uh, and this came from Chekhov's reaction to seeing a dead body. It's uh, one of the early scenes in the book, or rather the episode. And here Chekhov screams very loudly when he sees a dead body. Well, this is a uh, Starfleet Academy trained officer. Uh, I would have hoped that uh, he would have perhaps taken an autopsy class or done something to prepare himself uh, for the fact that people die, and people die in space, people die in combat, there are accidents. Certainly a red shirt is going to have a very difficult uh, uh, existence on the Enterprise, as we all know. But I was really surprised that he would have this reaction uh, going forward. And then finally, uh, this issue, uh, I think, really uh, drives home uh, what to do when uh, someone becomes uh, really too old to do the job and its competency. The Department of Justice requires that you have adequate, but more importantly, competent uh, compliance professionals in your organization. So what do you do to make sure that the, their competency is at the level the DOJ uh, requires and mandates? Do they have additional ongoing training? Do you send them to conferences? Do you uh, have them get certification? Do you have them write? Do you have them blog? Do you have them do podcasts? What can you do to show the competency and quality of your compliance professionals going forward? Uh, this is something that the, the DOJ has increasingly brought scrutiny to, and it's something that you're going to uh, need to consider in your compliance program as well. Join us tomorrow when we take up the episode Obsession in Trekking Through Compliance. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.